Hey everyone. If you didn't know, A Child Walks in the Dark is also a collection of poetry, and it is out and about and available from Harbor Editions as of now. So if you're liking the podcast, these fantastic conversations I've gotten to have with these folks, and you like the poems that end each episode, consider picking up a copy of the book. We can, all of us, I think, uh, use as much poetry in our lives as possible. Thank you. Welcome to A Child Walks in the Dark, a podcast hosted by award-winning poet and author Darren C. Demery. Each week, Darren and a series of other parents and creative careers join up to discuss a different theme or challenge to raising children. Their joy, their narrative and languages, their lineage and authorship, their small towns and cities and hopes, their community and efforts to save and be saved. Each episode explores the role of a creative person as a parent as they attempt to navigate the world their young people are growing into. This week's episode is She is Enough to Break Open Any Atom, and our guest is Kimberly Ann Priest. Kimberly Ann Priest is the author of Slaughter the One Bird, Sundress Publications 2021, finalist in the American Book Awards, and the chapbooks The Optimist Shelters in Place, Small Harbor Press 2022, Parrot Flower, Glass Poetry Press, 2021, and Still Life, Hank, 2020. She is an MFA graduate in creative writing from New England College, already holding an MA in English Language and Literature from Central Michigan University. Now, Darren and Kimberly Ann Priest. Uh, and as promised today, our guest is uh, poet, author, parent, uh, Kimberly Ann Priest. And our topic today, our theme is she is enough to uh, break open any atom, uh, as in our, our children are strong and we try to play into that strength and try to make them stronger. Um, but how do we how we give them that confidence in this world that is very fearful and continues to grow more fear, fearful and scary and uh, both unknown and too known at the same time? So how how have you, uh, Kimberly, uh, uh, helped? convey that to your children um like convey a sense of fearlessness i think or or, yeah. or maybe fearlessness isn't the right way to put it i guess there are you know fear is a natural um emotion a natural response to things that are fearful and i, I think um i think that's my best answer right there is i try to normalize all of the feelings i try to normalize all of the um all of the ways that we have to, you know, that we um, react to things or, you know, uh, experience things in the world and then, and then work from that place of this is normal. Um, so now let's unpack it and see what to do in this situation or that. And I think with my kids, I've just always met them in that place of you are where you're at right now and that's okay. Maybe that's not where you need to be. Um, you know, maybe the way that you're responding in the situation or that, or, or maybe the way you're responding to the world or, or seeing things is, is not the best way to see or experience um, or feel, but it's where you are right now. So let's start there. 
um, instead of starting where I think you should be or where someone else thinks you should be. Um, so, you know, I, I think that when you're living in a world that, um, that we do have a lot going on, you know, right now in terms of violence and, um, and other things. And when you're living in that kind of world, um, I think it's easy to have a lot of anxiety and it's easy to, um, be, you know, worried about the future and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's, I think that's normal. I think that that's, I think that that's a healthy reaction in some ways, but also a catalyst for change. Um, so yeah, I don't know that, I don't know that I've told my kids to be fearless. Right. Um, I don't know that I want to put that pressure on them to be, I don't want them to be superheroes. Well, and that's, that's something difficult for us to go through. Like we know enough of what's going on and are aware of so much more, but your children are older. So they're, they're pretty aware at this point, but my children in their age, they don't know. Um, well, the 12 year old maybe knows a lot, but doesn't know everything. Yeah. Um, and there are sometimes that you and I, we know enough and have experienced enough that it's difficult for us to opt in to an active part of this society. Yeah. Um, and we do so almost out of uh, routine and preparedness. And we have an idea of what's going to go on in our, 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 our day um, to instill confidence, at least confidence, if not fearlessness, uh, into children that are going to have to make that same decision to opt in to a society that is as violent, um, that is not protective, that does not value empathy as much as we'd want it to. Uh, then on some days is actively trying to remove you from the solution. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's almost too big to think about. And I don't, I never want to feel like I'm tricking my children into being involved, to being active, to wanting to be involved in this world. Um, because sometimes it feels like I'm tricking myself to do that. Yeah. To be engaged in the community, to be, to try to be a helper, to try to do things beyond myself, because sometimes I'm afraid and I can't, um, there's almost a barrier, uh, in my, in my parenting heart, the biggest part of my heart where I, I want to be loving and encouraging and instill hope, um, to try to cross that barrier and give that gift to my children when I know all the things that I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I think that, um, and you know, this is something that has been uh, difficult for me to talk about, to open up about, but I have discovered in the last year that I am slightly autistic and some of my responses in the world I'm finding are very different from other people. So I do have a way of stepping back and assessing and going, okay, I don't understand what's going on in front of me. And I'm just going to be honest about that. I don't, I don't know what this situation is. I don't know what the social um, engagement is right now. I, I don't know what the protocol, the, the um, you know, whatever's happening. And so I've gotten really good. And I, I didn't know this until this last year. That this has been my coping skill throughout life is I've gotten really good at separating myself from an issue and asking questions, asking clarifying questions, discovering what is happening. And that helps me to find my role 
in a situation so that I'm not, um, cause I can tell, you know, I'm becoming reactive, but I don't actually know what I'm reacting to. You know, I don't have the information. So I need to remove myself from it. And sometimes I'm good at that. And sometimes I'm not, you know, we're just human. And there've been many times where I'm like, Oh my goodness, I feel like I'm fumbling this and I'm reacting and I just don't have the emotional energy to even try not to. And that's when I go into meltdown mode. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I, but I've learned throughout life that when I can step back and say, okay, what, you know, what is really happening here? Ask the question that I need to ask. Then I'm not engaging it in this sort of like with any sort of emotional energy, trying to fix it, trying to be the superhero, trying to um, merely survive it. But I can think about what's my role. What can I do? What can I do? What, what are other people experiencing? Ask those questions. And those are all really great skills that you learn um, through a lot of therapy models. And um, apparently, if you're slightly autistic, you might learn them naturally to cope with the world. So, <laughs> um, so I've, you know, I've been in this place for a long time. And I think that I just sort of, you know, with my kids, this is how I try to teach them. Now, does it always work? No. Um, sometimes they just, <laughs> often they just are going to do it their way. And that's okay. That's, that's how we all learn. But, um, but, you know, stepping back, taking that time to really assess what's happening because we can get so caught up. And even like in the fear culture that we have right now, we can get so caught up in the narrative that's out there and want to be a certain kind of person in that, in that narrative. And we're just human beings, right? Like we've got only so much um, personal experience and energy and knowledge and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, wisdom says, Hey, take a minute to think about like, what role can you play? What can you handle? What can you do? Cause if you're out there trying to, you know, save the day on a frayed thread, then everybody's going to sink with this ship. Those are all mixed metaphors. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the danger of uh, two poets talking. There's, there's going to be just uh, uh, metaphors <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think when you talked about your children making their own decisions, you know, that, that, the first sign of confidence is independence. The, yeah. the belief, the belief that they can. Um, now, sometimes it gets a little painful when they believe that they can without you. Um, <laughs> but that's that's the hope, right? The best part of parenting is opening as many doors as possible. Yeah. The problem is that some doors feel like they should stay closed, um, but then you're you're denying, and sometimes you're lying because you're trying to protect them in a way that ultimately just makes you as the parent feel more comfortable with the world you brought children into. Um, and that, that's a difficult thing to, uh, to process, to emote, um, the, 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 the questioning of, um, once, once you become a parent and you've brought another life into the world, how much responsibility uh, is yours. And when does, you know, obviously most of the responsibility is on the parent, but when the children grow up, how do you release some of that responsibility and allow them, um, and hope, you know, you're hoping that they've got, um, the tools to, uh, move forward in a way with confidence in a way where they're swinging their arms a little bit and are not, and are still opting in, like I said, at the beginning are still willing to be a big part of this world, um, that sometimes reacts as if it doesn't want you involved. 
Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a fiercely independent person myself. So, um, I've, I have been accused by a few of my family members of being too independent. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I think some of that was, is, is gender expectation that, but I'm like, I really don't know. I think what it comes down to is I don't know how to do things their way. I like need to, you know, I I've always been the person that I can't use the manual to understand the car engine. I need to take the car engine apart. And then everything makes sense for me and to put it back together. And I've got this really mechanical way of, of, um, of living in the world where I need to take things apart, put them back together. And I think my poetry even comes from that place of, I need to take this apart and I will, and then put it back together. And, oh, there's my emotional life. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I've, I've always been fiercely independent, someone who, um, who figures things out, um, you know, problem solves a lot of things. And so I think what I've discovered is that I just sort of assume everybody's got this way of being right. Like I, you know, and, and because I think we, some, we do that. We, we think people are like us. And then I realize, oh, this person does not take engines apart to understand. They're just going to read the manual. We are on very different places. Um, and so, you know, when you're raising children, you're raising two people who are got some similarities to you, but they're not you. And I've had to learn with my kids. A lot of what I've had to learn is that they're going to have to um, use different manuals, different materials, different building blocks to become the kind of independent person that they can be in the world. They're not going to be me. You know, they're not going to be the person that can throw a suitcase into her car and then sleep in the back for seven days going across country. And like, you know, like it's just, that's not, that's not necessarily who they are. And I think that, you know, I've had to work through my own frustration of, come on, everybody, let's just do this. (laughs) And other other people are like, but and I'm like, there are no buts. <laughs> but you know, that's not, that's me projecting, you know, putting on them who I am. And so I'm I'm at this place in that when they're in their early 20s where I'm having to, you know, let go of what I think they're capable of and letting them become, you know, the person that they're capable of being. Well, and that's some of the extra pressure of being a parent where um the responsibility of you know, they, there's some mimicry that happens with children where they sort of learn things to do the way that you do things. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a loud person, they might be a loud person as well. Um, if there's, uh, you know, and, and, and mimicry becomes routine and, uh, but then that point where they develop sort of their own intuition and they go through the doors that they want to go through and, um, they start to develop, uh, their own instincts. And I, I think part of that uh, that confidence comes with um, showing them multiple ways to do things and they, they find their own way. Uh, and when they can make that decision, that's maybe when that first little rush of good blood goes and that's when they start to get the confidence and that's when they start to make their own moves in the world. Um, and you want, you want your children, you don't want it to be irrational, but you want them to be, to be willing to go forward in a way with confidence. Um, and it's, it's always interesting when it, when it diverges from your sort of your path and how, and how they go uh, and they do these things that maybe you would never do, or you would do them in an incredibly different way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I, I do think that um, one of the, 
one of the good parenting attributes I have, I guess we'll, we'll say it that way has, I, I, I do have this profound belief in, um, in personal, and, and maybe this is a faulty belief system, but in, in our personal makeup that, that you have everything you need to be in the world and yourself, like that we are, that we have, that we intrinsically, intrinsically possess um, everything necessary. Now, I don't mean in terms of, you know, I don't mean that in a way of you don't need community. I mean that you are the person you should be in your community. Like you, you, you are endowed with that, you know, whatever, whatever's necessary in your community, you've been given a piece of that anywhere you go. And I think that, um, I, and I've actually learned this, you know, from some of the, um, philosophers that I, I really like to read, um, like Abraham Joshua Heschel. I love um, um, Elie Weisel. I feel like I'm saying his name wrong. I feel like I'm slaughtering it. I haven't listened to it in a long time. Um, but, um, but, you know, like this, this idea that, uh, that we have something, you know, that who we are is who we need to be and who we need to be in a community. And knowing ourselves really well, getting to understand who we are really well helps us be that person more. So I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, you're bringing all of your best to the table, but, but that's, that's something that I think that I've tried to instill in my kids is who you are is exactly who you're supposed to be. Now under, it's like, it's like you're a tool. Now understand your tool, understand who you are, how to wield yourself in the world um, and, and trust that you have what you need embodied like in, in you and that, um, and that other people in your community are going to bring other things to the table and they're going to have something that you also need to glean from and hear from and, and um, that, you know, they're bringing things to the table that are important. And together we sort of make the, build this collective energy of knowledge and wisdom that um, we can all draw from. So, you know, I, I think that confidence is both self and community. Um, it, it all works together beautifully. Yeah. And I, and I think the best part is when you know, the, the kids get old enough that they take that step forward They They take a step maybe even away from you. Um, but that they understand that, that the tether is still there, that when, that when they look back, you haven't gone anywhere. Um, that there's this whole, I mean, the village thing is real. I swear to God, if I was a rich person, I am very much not, but if I had a lot of money, the first group of people that I would spoil wouldn't be my kids. It'd be the people that are good to my kids because, mm-hmm the teachers they've had from preschool on the, the different members of the community in our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, when they turn around and they take those steps away from us, if they look back, there's like a hundred people that have been good, that have cared, that have shown them that community is there for them. And, you know, they can, they can take those steps. They can be confident. They can make their own path. They can go forward in an uncertain world, but there is certainty in the fact that all these people are behind them and still invested and still care and still, you know, generative parts of their future. We're still all working uh, sort of towards them. And those people that are not related to them that have made that decision to be good to my children. It's, it's incredible. I get emotional thinking about it. I wish we (laughs) we get, you know, we get gift cards for teachers at the end of the year. And I I sincerely wish it could be so much more. I just don't, I can't afford that, Kimberly. <laughs> right, no, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely there with you. Yeah. I, I, I will say, um, you know, to bounce off of that, my kids and I grew up in 
a very different world than a, a support. We didn't have, I will say in, in even more so, I didn't have supportive community um, while I was a parent. Um, and they, they've had a mixed bag. So they're kind of finding their communities right now more than they ever have before, because we grew up, you know, my, my ex-husband was, um, very violent. There were a number of things going on there. It was a very difficult situation. So when I needed supportive community, my communities failed me. In fact, (laughs) they more than failed me. It was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty bad deal. And I ended up, um, leaving my kids, um, not really leaving them, but getting away from the situation before they could. And that had to do with the fact that my ex's family had us all economically bound. And for me to get free from that, I had to go first. I had nothing. So I started out with $700 and I had just completed a master's degree and I went to my family and did not find a supportive community there either. So that, you know, and there's reasons for that. I think like sometimes when you are becoming the healthier person in all of your dysfunctional circles, you end up being the odd man out. Like you just, you don't have a community. So Um, So for me, the last eight years has been a lot of rebuilding myself emotionally, working through a lot of things. Um, I got all of my college degrees, three of them in the last eight years. Um, I had to do it all late because of my situation. So, you know, I've been parenting from a distance, um, which is precarious. Like it's hard. It's really, you know, there's been a lot of emotional struggle for me. Like I wanted to be there for many things. I couldn't there's finally, you know, been a lot of shift so that my ex-husband finally got some help and we've been able to, um, at least reach a point that I think is sustainable in terms of, uh, the, the best health I can hope for in, in the situation. And so now I'm watching my kids, you know, they're, I'm I'm actually been with them this week and, you know, I'm watching them now take steps forward and it feels, feels, it feels scary and wieldy to me because I'm like, you guys didn't have the stability that I would have hoped for. And of course I left my communities a long time ago. I did have some great teachers. I did have, you know, some, some really good stuff um, ages ago, but you know, that's all, that's all gone. Like I, I, my life separated me from those communities. So Um, so my feelings for community, a lot of it comes from the fact that it's been really hard for me to have one. Um, I've, I've walked away from some of the religious communities that I was a part of. I've walked away from a lot of things. And so now I'm kind of in, it's really hard in your forties to find a new community and to, you know, and to put yourself somewhere. And I'm, I'm at this place where I'm like, where do I place myself on the planet? How do I, how do I create new community? You know, that all of those, I feel like I'm in my twenties, early twenties. So it's like me and my kids are are kind of in the same place. And I keep trying to, I'm like, can we just do this together? Just like move to a place. And they're like, they want to be independent from me. I I can't blame them. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you feel that verve of your twenties. That's good. (laughs) No, it's just just often my body reminds me I'm not in my twenties anymore. there are, there's, there's no going to the bar late at night or any of those kinds of things, right? Like, I'm like, it's nine o'clock and I'm like, so tired. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I'm old. So I'm not in my twenties, but I, but I'm in that, I'm sort of in that, like, I, I didn't do my twenties in my twenties. I got married young. I had kids. I was a parent. So like life got flipped around, which would in some ways, I, I think a lot of people have envied that 
I get to do this at this point in life. Like they're still, you know, anchored with kids and some of them are, you know, not enjoying it maybe. And I hate to use, I don't like the word anchored for, I I use that for them. Um, But, you know, they're at a different place in life and they're just craving their freedom. And I'm like, you guys, you you don't want to do this in your forties because no one else is doing it except the 20 year olds. And I, I mean, what do I do? Start hanging out with kids in the you, you you still get to you give yourself a lot of gifts in your 20s maybe it's a gift of one more shot maybe it's a gift of one more song in the jukebox or that trip that you couldn't go on if you had kids and then in your 40s you give yourself different gifts like a full night's sleep right right so now i'm in my 40s when i could you know do all of the i could do the extra shot in the, in the long <laughs> vacation but my body's saying nine o'clock sweetheart <laughs> We gotta sleep. Vacations are vacations are far more involved than they would have been in my twenties. I mean, I think I do it pretty well, but it's um, I'm not even you know in a vacationing mindset right now. I've been in a rebuilding mindset. So, well, at least your at least your subconscious is calling you sweetheart and being gentle. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Much better than look, Darren, you asshole. If you just. <laughs> Well, I, I've had my, definitely had my moments right. today at Sweetheart. So I'm going to hold on to that. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Um, I, there was one more thing I wanted to ask, um, but when we involve our pasts with, with our children, when we try to take, uh, give them room to take these steps forward, but we bring so much with ourselves. Um, you've talked about, you know, the violence you needed to leave, um, and making sure that you, you're, you can't, you can't parent if you're dead, you can't, no. you can't parent if you're not around like that. Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, getting sober and doing things like that to make sure that I was alive, uh, to make sure I was coherent and able to contribute and all of those things that you've got to make very conscious decisions of. Um, when you get sober, you've got to become a whole new person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we carry that with us. Um, and we, we move forward. Uh, and if we forget about those things from the old person we used to be, then they can become a danger to us again. So we, we, we bring them with us. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's, who's had to sort of reinvent themselves the way that you have, the, the way that I have, um, how do you think that played a role in your parenting, you know, after the evolution, let's say? Sure. Um, and I, I would still consider myself in the process of an evolution. I, I actually didn't have my first drink until I was 36. I know that's shocking, especially as a Midwesterner. Um, but, but I think what, I think one of the things that I did after I got out of all that is I did, I did let myself, I don't want to say let myself go, but I gave myself permission to enjoy some freedoms that I couldn't, while I was in it. Um, and so it's, it's just an interesting, almost backwards phenomenon. I did, you know, I did enter my twenties a little, not irresponsibly, but enough to be to loosen up a bit. Cause I had been under such a tight regime where, you know, I couldn't have friendships. I couldn't, I couldn't do so many things. Um, and I think that how I've carried that forward and I, and I, I hope I'm answering your questions is, is that, I'm very honest about my self-discovery. I'm really honest about what I guess a lot of people would call healing. Um, I'm not a fan of that word, but that's because I've come out of a lot of religious stuff. So it has a different sort of 
weight for me. Um, but you know, I've, my, my struggle with a lot of things has been really real. And I'm very honest about saying, I'm not even sure that how I feel about this or that thing at this moment is the right way to see it. My worldview might be off right now. Um, you know, I've, I've come out of a lot of stuff. So I'm thinking through this and I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand who I am in relation to like spiritual matters and, and um, you know, um, friendships and, um, you know, how do, how do I do family now? Like all of these things. Um, I think that there was so much dishonesty woven into the relationship of the past that um, it's, it's almost just been experimental the way that like I'm, I'm trying to weave more honesty in and then be like, okay, maybe I need to, you know, dial it back a bit, but, you know, like trying to like, trying to like open and, and, and understand myself and feel, you know, like I can trust relationships and things like that. That's all been a learning experience. I'm not really sure I'm answering your question. Can you want to, no, no, you are, I, for me, it's about, um, and I'm, you know, my kids are young enough. We're getting ready to have, start having these discussions um, where you, you share that part of yourself, um, that was, that was wounded, that was, that was dangerous. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that is a process where showing your children that you're human, that people can survive. Yeah. Um, you hope that that gives them, um, you know, a fuller picture of the world and less pressure to be perfect less pressure to that, it, that it's okay to make mistakes, that yeah. most mistakes are not the end of things. Um, and it gives them, you know, I think, I think a much fuller picture of life. Um, yeah. And I, you know, in, in, in my past relationship, I wasn't the dangerous one. I was the one holding things together. And so, you know, sometimes for me, it's just admitting I can't do it all. I can't pick up all the pieces, you know, even, even saying things to my son, like, you're making decisions. I'm not sure all of them are the best. Just know I can't clean up the mess. <laughs> like I can't do it. I'm not in a place where I can just swoop in and do that. That will be your mess. And you've got to, you know, be able to handle that. So, you know, it's, um, it, it's being very real about like, I'm, I'm rebuilding my life. And I think one of the things though, that I've taken very seriously, and I, I try to, I've tried to pass this on to my kids. And I just think it's become part of my life philosophy is, um, you know, when we've been victimized, um, that can also become our identity that, you know, that, that I think, I think anything can be pathologized, you know, like if you hang on to it. And so, you know, I've been working through a lot of my stories so that I don't, so that my identity keeps growing and, and changing as it needs to. And um, I just really encourage my kids to be in that growth process and to be always conscious of their relationships. How are they living in community with others? How are they affecting? And that's, you know, because of what I experienced, like I, I want that extra mindfulness because I think we don't realize always how we're affecting. So I guess that's how I've carried it forward. But I, you know, I will say that I've stumbled in all of that carrying it forward because I get so, you know, it's been a lot to work through. It's been a lot of story. It's been a lot of confusion. It's been a lot of grief, a lot of grief, a lot of, a lot of things that I don't necessarily regret my decisions, 
but I regret that, that a lot of things happened to me and that, you know, maybe I, that I just didn't have a different um, opportunity or, you know, I didn't know that the one I took is the, maybe the one I shouldn't have taken or, you know, but try not to live in that space anymore because um, I have quite a lot in the last few years, um, but giving myself permission to do that even. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, and I, I think the, the hope is that the, you know, our kids fully consider the world uh, sort of in all parameters and all energies. Uh, and, you know, they say yes to it. So hopefully, hopefully you and I, we keep doing the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I do. I've, I've, I'm winging it right now. So I'm saying <laughs> keep moving and sure. I'm kind of living out of my car. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I want to, I want to say thank you for talking to me today, Kimberly. It's always good to see you. Uh, and I want to say thank you to uh, Emily Caldwell for recording the introduction and the band Pagination for the music. Good luck with your travels, and I, I hope to see you soon. Yep. Thanks, Darren. Uh, She's enough to break open any atom. I told my daughter she is enough to break open any atom, but I'm sure she'll figure out a way to peel back the world like a clementine, that she'll floss her teeth with the white veins of the world, that she'll get to choose whether or not the moon is ours forever, or just the cap of the acorn that is blown off when gravity gives in to the rest of the universe. I told my daughter she could ride the ocean whenever she pleases, and she responded that she might be the ocean, and I have yet to argue with her about that.